0: This is Rocks to Roots, a podcast presented by the Spokane Conservation District. This podcast series is intended to share education and resources related to land management, conservation practices, and celebrate some of the great stewards of our land here in our region. Welcome and thanks for tuning in, everyone, to this episode of Rocks to Roots podcast. I'm your host, Hillary, and my co-host, Dwayne, was not able to join us today, but we have the pleasure of having our OG co-host, Brennan Pointer with us today. How's it going, Brennan?
1: I'm doing good.
0: Awesome. Hey, are you going to be at our open house on September 25th? 100%
1: 100% I will be there with my children and my wife and I and this is my RSVP that I'm coming to the event.
0: <laughs> I'm still gonna make you go to the website and RSVP. Oh I
1: have to <laughs> I have to go to a website and RSVP. Okay I can do that I think. I'm really terrible at RSVPing. I just like RSVP to a wedding that I'm supposed to go to tomorrow. Oh no. And I think uh the guy's kind of annoyed at me but I was like hey, I want to come to your wedding dude and he's like well, more the merrier. You better just
0: pack a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and
1: <laughs> <a> water <laughs> when you go. Um, but yeah, I'm really excited to bring my kids and have them be part of the activities um, from 10 to 12 on Saturday.
0: Yep, you're right. So kids activities are happening from 10 to 12 on September 25th. This um, event is taking place at our brand new campus location located at 4422 East 8th Avenue in the Spokane Valley, but yeah, the kids are going to enjoy some rock painting, some nature art. We have a scavenger hunt lined up for them as well as a name the gnome contest because the gnome is our new mascot. This is our gnome home.
1: Do you get a gnome sticker Yes, we have gnome gnome
0: stickers and then we actually are doing a contest. So we will be posting the winners of the name the gnome contest on social media and they'll get a shout out and a prize.
1: I'm excited. Is that like an age, Like, can I name the gnome or is that like a kid thing?
0: It's a kid thing. Yep. Sorry. (laughs) You can help them. Well, good. We can't wait to see you. And we hope that all of our, all the rest of the Spokane community can join us as well. But let's go ahead. We have another jam-packed episode and we are welcoming Chris Major, the education coordinator for the city of Spokane Solid Waste Department. So thanks for joining us,
2: Chris. Oh, it's my pleasure. And especially out here in your new building and the new grounds. It's awesome. So I encourage people to come to your open house just to see it. Thank you. Yes, we
0: are very excited to be here, excited for the opportunities that we're going to be able to bring to the campus. So thank you. So Chris, before we jump into it all, um, just tell us a
2: little bit about yourself and your background. Yeah, I was born and raised in eastern Washington, so about 100 miles away from Spokane. And, you know, back in the time where we used to have like burning barrels in the backyard and this open city dump where we could go dig around if we wanted to, or drop things off. And that was the kind of the highlight of the, the day. But, um, not knowing how that might influence my current career, um, went to college in Southern Idaho, got an education degree, and really spent most of my life in informal education. So whether it's at historic sites or museums, just teaching people about content, but really not knowing kind of that garbage, recycling, waste reduction stuff until I started with the city about 10 years ago. So it's it's been an awesome job and it kind of makes me realize, yeah, growing up the way I did, it's just like, oh, what were we doing? (laughs) Yeah, I think there's still
0: a lot of that realization today as well. Um, So how did you get involved with
2: the city of Spokane initially? Well, it just came down to wanting a job. You know, I was working at a museum that um, during the recession, they just reduced the education staff. So um, job in education came up for the city of Spokane and not even knowing that it was in the solid waste field. I said, yeah, I'm going to go for that. Got it. And it's like now it's it's just awesome. It's one of the best jobs I've had. Awesome. So what does
0: solid waste refer to in Spokane County? (laughs) Yeah,
2: that is a confusing term, isn't it? Yes, it it is. (laughs) Well, in Spokane County, it's any waste that residents generate that isn't flushed down the toilet. So we're not talking about wastewater, but anything that's kind of that solid, tangible stuff, whether they throw it in their garbage can. But it's not just trash. It's also the recyclables that we have to manage, Um, compostables, and household hazardous wastes.
0: And so tell us just a little bit more about the Spokane Solid Waste Department and just kind of how it runs and everything that it oversees.
2: Yeah, so the the city of Spokane Solid Waste Department um, is part of a larger county-wide system. So it's called the Regional Solid Waste System. It's been around for a little over 30 years, and the reason that it's in place is to try to be a kind of countywide program so that there are consistent services for everybody. And the reason it exists is because about 30 years ago, as the five landfills in Spokane County started to fill up, and where there was more environmental awareness for the pollution that they were causing, especially to our aquifer as leachate would leak out of those landfills. Um, so like we really realized that we needed to do something else with our trash rather than bury it in the ground. So instead of sending it off to someone else's landfill, they decided in Spokane County to build a waste to energy facility. And so um, very expensive undertaking. So in order to ensure that the costs of building that would be recouped. Um, they formed a countywide system where everybody within the county just agreed until the bonds were paid off that all the um, trash would go to the waste energy plant. And there would be consistent um, access to compostable drop-offs. So whether it's curbside or cell um, haul uh, recycling um, started, especially curbside recycling, started about the same time and then as well as free hazardous waste drop-offs. So uh, all of that happened, say, almost 30 years ago. And, and about five years ago, the system changed. Um, the city was in charge of the regional system um, only because it took out the debt to build the waste energy plant. So the city could take out bonds. And uh, so the city was in charge of the system, but then the bonds were paid off, so it's kind of like the city said, here, county, you take this back, because usually counties are in charge of the solid waste plans and and managing that. So when that happened, um, other municipalities within Spokane County um, decided that they would leave the system. So it's not quite as cohesive as it was when they first started back in 1990.
0: And how I understand it too, is like Spokane County has different solid waste management than like Spokane Valley, correct?
2: So the um, the communities of Cheney, Spokane Valley and Liberty Lake left the solid waste system. So they have to write their own comprehensive solid waste management plans. They have to kind of manage their own contracts of who picks up their garbage and where it goes. And so for the cities of Liberty Lake and Spokane Valley, they now long haul their garbage to a landfill in Wenatchee. Okay. But everybody else still participates in the system somewhat, and it does come to the city of Spokane's waste energy facility.
0: Okay. Um, so for Spokane County residents, um, where does the majority of that solid waste then go or end up? Is it that energy plant? yeah, or, okay.
2: yeah, except for curbside in the cities of Liberty Lake and the valley, because that will be picked up and it goes to a different transfer station that's operated by Sunshine Disposal. Mm-hmm. and then that's taken to Wenatchee for the landfill. But everybody else's, whether they take it to um, whether whether it's picked up curbside or whether they drop it off at the two county transfer stations. So, the one at Elk Chatteroy Road and the one at the Sullivan, kind of Trenton Sullivan, anything that's dropped off in those transfer stations uh, will come out to the waste energy facility.
0: Okay. And so, um, what is the comparison to solid waste being taken to a landfill versus going to the energy plant or the
2: Tell me how to say it one more time. Waste energy. Waste
0: and yeah, versus going to the waste energy plant.
2: Yeah, yeah. Big topic. I mean, there are a lot of concerns about waste energy facility over landfill. Um, you know, the city has always offered um, tours of the facility up until COVID and um, the opportunity for people to really learn about that um, technology because it was really Fairly new in the 1990s and uh, controversial. And it's still controversial today because, you know, instead of burying your garbage, you're burning it. Is that environmentally any better? And, um, yeah, so sometimes yes, sometimes no. There's pros and cons. My philosophy has always been there's no good way of dealing with garbage except not to make it. So until we can do that. But for waste energy facilities, um, they process up to 800 tons of trash at that facility. Um, it burns the garbage. It reduces it 90% by volume to an ash that is a stable inert material. So the ash still has to go to a landfill, but it's not going to leach anything out into the ground or into groundwater. And it's definitely not going to produce any methane or greenhouse gas emissions, which, you know, is a very potent greenhouse gas. Um, And before the ash goes to the landfill, we're able to recover about 25 tons worth of metal to be recycled. So there are definitely some pros that we see with waste energy facility. We're able to take care of our garbage in our own backyard. We provide jobs for Spokane um, residents. Uh, The ash Byproduct is um, fairly safe when it goes to a landfill, and we're making electricity for thirteen thousand homes. So there is, I guess, a positive spin on that turbine from our yeah. from our steam power for a waste energy facility.
0: Awesome! I had no idea about it um, providing electricity. So that's a great fact right there. So I love your point about the your philosophy. The best way is to just not create garbage. (laughs) So let's jump into talking about the Master Composter and Recycler Program and some of the resources and trainings that you guys provide with that program.
2: Yeah so that program has been around for about as long as the regional system. In fact it was one of the first education programs that the system started back in uh, I think it was 1989 or 90. And so it's been around ever since and very similar to Master Gardeners, we recruit people, um, county residents, that are interested in learning how to reduce their waste through composting and being better recyclers. And in exchange for the instruction, the materials, the hands-on opportunities of you know, making black gold, all of that, we do ask that they kind of volunteer back to the program and commit to up to 40 hours of helping us teach others to do the same things. So take what they learn and go out and be an ambassador, like a waste reduction ambassador in a community. You know, help others learn the same thing. And uh, so we do have classes usually once a year, and then they, the graduates, um, as volunteers, help us staff some of our other outreach events, and two of the big ones that we do are a spring and a fall compost fair. These usually take place at Finch Arboretum. Residents, you know, rotate through learning stations on how to you know, take yard waste and food waste and make compost so that they can enrich their soil. And then in exchange, they get a free compost bin. So they have to learn how to use it right yeah. before they get the free one. Um, and so that has always been popular. And when I started this program or started working for the city like 10 or 11 years ago and took over the Master Composter Recycler Program, um, you'd think that, oh, after all these years that kind of the interest would just wane, that, you know, people wouldn't be interested in it anymore. And is it time that we find another program to really put our efforts behind. But I swear every year... We fill our class. We even have a waiting list. And we will get literally anywhere from two to 600 people coming to the compost fairs.
0: Oh, that's so great.
2: And that's been happening for 30 years.
0: Wow. Yeah, it's it's a hot topic. I see a lot of... My friends, I'm in my low 30s. All of us are, you know, trying to figure out better ways to manage our soil and manage our trash and our and recycle. So um, definitely a hot topic. So let's. I want to talk about the training a little bit more. So is there a cost for the training, and then is it like a series of? classes, or is it just one class and then you get to graduate? How does that work?
2: Right. So there is no cost. Um, The cost is provided through the county regional solid waste system uh, with funding from the Department of Ecology. So the system gets a certain amount of money every year to do education and outreach on waste reduction from our state department of of ecology, and we use that to help subsidize the program. So for residents, there's no cost to take um, the class, um, we oh that's the second part again. <laughs> the question.
0: Oh, um, and then is it just like a one class or is it a series of classes?
2: Right. So we have a basic class that we we give. Like think of it as home composting one hundred and one or or MCR one hundred and one. So the curriculum um, has been added to and adapted over the years, but it's still you know pretty. An introduction to the topic. But as graduates um, stay involved, we have continuing education opportunities. So we have some graduates that have been um, with the program for almost 20 years, and they become teachers and they help us find um, experts on certain topics, whether it's soil health or microbiology, or where does your recycling go and is it really being recycled? And some of those topics that we offer to graduates just to keep them engaged and, and um, learning more information.
0: Okay, awesome. Um, and so anybody who wants to sign up for becoming a master composter, or recycler, where, where do they go?
2: Where do they look for that? Uh, information for each of the, the, the class usually begins the end of March and goes through April, and usually the end of January, first part of February is when I start the recruiting. And so it is um, an application process, but basically first come, first serve. So they can either contact me um, and I can have my contact information somewhere, or they can call the um, City of Spokane Solid Waste Department.
0: You mentioned that those graduates will help with some outreach opportunities and do some events. And we are so thankful because one of the master composters and recyclers is going to be leading a class at the Farm and Food Symposium. So thank you. We're excited for that. They're going to be covering a class on um, composting in an urban setting as well as on acreage. So we're excited to have Lauren Sunday. I hope I'm pronouncing her name right. Uh, Lauren. Oh, Laren. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Cool. It's spelled really uniquely. So I wanted to. It <laughs> is. And
2: Lauren's great. Um, awesome. She's been with the program um, longer than I have. And she's also a master gardener. And she's even taught classes on compost and soil health. So she's going to be an excellent substitute for me. Um, fingers crossed. I'll be traveling out of the country. Oh. So that week. So I'm really sorry to miss it. Oh, yeah. Where are you going to go? if uh, they'll let us in, uh, the Galapagos. Oh my gosh, how fun. Yeah. yeah. Oh,
0: interesting. So um, let's talk about your position as the education coordinator. I know that you do a lot of trainings and you offer a lot of resources for teachers and classrooms as well. So can you tell us about some of those? Yeah.
2: So I've been gone out to any um, from preschool all the way up to senior citizen centers just talking about waste reduction. So especially for classrooms, we do uh, in-person presentations um, to classes. Uh, all, all the topics are on waste reduction, whether it's how to put together a you know a waste-free lunch or how to make recycled paper or um, even how to do a waste audit in your own school or even at home. Mm-hmm. So a lot of those topics, um, we can also do those virtually now during COVID if they don't want visitors to come to the classroom. So those are great opportunities. Um, we have a virtual tour of the waste energy facility, and when we're allowed, we also take classes through that. So third grade on up, we put hard hats on kids and safety glasses, and when we walk them through and they get to see the claw picking up the garbage and burning it into the, in the boilers and how we make the energy in the turbine room. So that's always a great experience too. So we have programs like that uh, for those that, you know, can't have a speaker or can't go on a tour. We have kits um, so they can check out a kit and have a lot of the the resources and the tools they need to do the activities in their classroom. So information on that is also available on the City of Spokane Solid Waste website um, under education. And... uh, Some fun programs, too, which include a student poster contest that we're doing right now, kind of leading up to America Recycles Day, um, November. But this program has been around for over 25 years, where um, students in kindergarten through eighth grade are given a theme. This year, the theme is Recycle for the Future, and they just develop posters that they submit, and we take the top Fifteen and print into a calendar.
0: Oh, that's how fun. Yeah, it's
2: available to anybody.
0: Oh, that's great. We'll definitely make sure and repost that and include that in this episode. Um, so on the subject of kids, I know that there is the Enviro Kids Club, um, here and tell us
2: about that program and what that program
0: facilitates.
2: Yeah, that is an awesome program and it's, um, through the partnership of environmental organizations in Spokane County. So we do have the Conservation District and the National Weather Service and a Clean Air Agency and, and city and county water departments as well as the sol- Solid Waste Department. And we all collaborate on this uh, free program for kids. So it's really more family-oriented as opposed to being in a classroom. But for kids in uh, kindergarten through sixth grade aged and they get a quarterly newsletter so all the partners we share developing this this great fun interactive newsletter that gets sent to the kid at their own address
0: oh awesome.
2: and then throughout the year we we have regular um, activities that they can you know go to events and do an activity and earn points and as they get the points they can redeem those for special prizes So, again, it's just a way to really get kids to look at the environment, to be engaged in it, uh, see how all these topics are interrelated. So whether it's water, air, soil, it's all part of our environment, and we can all do things individually as well as groups to protect it.
0: And so it is a really good program, and I've checked out the website and all the resources that um, it provides. Where, How did it come about Enviro Kids Club? Um, like when did it form? Whose idea was it? Because it, it's really brilliant.
2: Yeah, yeah. I wish I could take credit for it, but no, mm-hmm. it was, it, again, it's probably over 20 or 25 years old. And I think um, my predecessor as the education person for the regional solid waste system and, you know, probably someone from the Clean Air Agency just got together and said, wouldn't this be a great idea? And yeah, let's call all of our friends yeah. that do the same thing in these other agencies. And it's just, like you say, for over 20 years, it's just kept going. And we probably have about 300 members.
0: Oh, wow. That's amazing. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So members kind of come and go. They age out, but we try to get more in. And and the the challenge again, during pandemic is just trying to keep them in and involved when they can't come to in-person events.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay. No, that's fabulous. So I am curious now if there are any resources for like communities or neighborhoods to um, help manage their waste properly, like I'm, I'm just thinking about kind of about my own neighborhood. Like, would I be able to get my neighbors together and maybe go in on, hey, we're going to try and this composting thing, or let's learn about this, or I saw you put that in your recycling bin, and <laughs> go in there. but in a polite way.
2: Like personal shame? <laughs> that, <laughs> that could work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, um, part of my job is to do consultations. So if they're participating in this countywide regional system, so I, I mean... I can't go to the city of Spokane Valley or Liberty Lake to do any type of work with neighborhoods or businesses there because they're not participating in that that system Um, or Cheney as well. But but anywhere else, yeah, I can go and I can talk to neighborhoods and groups. I can, um, yeah, uh, I've done everything from neighborhood council meetings for the city and just kind of refresh people's memories of yeah. what go, what's on, on the acceptable list that goes in the blue bin. Mm-hmm. Um, to even businesses, because businesses will contact us and say, hey, we want to be better. You know, how can you help us um, not just size the services that we have? Do we have the right size recycling card and garbage cans um, outside our building? But what are things we can do inside the building to make sure that our staff know what's recyclable what's compostable what's definitely garbage and so that is something that i can do go out into businesses and make those contacts help with signage and if it's something that you know i don't have the capacity to do because i'm really just kind of like one person in the county doing this there also there is also a private company that does it too so if there's funding available then could always be a route.
0: Um, so kind of on that topic of maybe placing the wrong thing in the wrong bin, um, (laughs) is there an item that you see the most that is just commonly put in the wrong place or maybe it, maybe we just don't know. It's actually not recyclable or it should go here. Is there Right. You, you want just one? Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I can yeah give you... s- a
2: few. Yeah. <laughs> I'm curious. Well, we have done audits before uh, and audits. Um, so we have a, what's called a ma- material recovery facility. It's called the Smart Center. It's located out by the waste energy plant. It's operated by waste management, a private company. So anything we put in our blue carts at our curbside gets picked up and it goes there to be sorted. So they're they're awesome to work with. And as trucks come in, they will do random audits where they can look in the truck and then hand sort things and tell us exactly on that route in that neighborhood, these people are throwing those things around a way oh. that shouldn't be. But overall, what we find um, the biggest contaminant, so the thing that doesn't belong in our recycle bin that people put in, are plastic bags. Oh. And so, You know, plastic bags are recyclable, but just not in the blue cart because where it goes to be sorted, it gets wrapped or twisted around all the sorting equipment and it causes downtime and it could be a hazard to the people that work there that have to kind of dig all that plastic film out. So we encourage people to take the plastic bags first don't get them, you know, take your reusable bags, start yeah. in October 1st. They'll yes. have to, I just saw that. Yep. Yeah. Or take it back to the retail store because there are some stores that have, um, collection containers right inside the door, like Albertsons or Safeways that mm-hmm. you can drop the plastic bag and film off there and then it'll go to be recycled, but not if you put it in the cart. And even people that will put their recyclables in a plastic bag to carry out to their cart and kind of drop it in because they don't want, they want to keep everything nice and neat and clean. You're right. That's mm-hmm. causing problems. Um, even if you were to put your recyclables in a paper bag or in a box, and the box itself or the bag might be recyclable. If it's in a container, it's not loose and it can't be sorted. And so it gets pulled out and thrown in the garbage. Okay. So, um, no plastic bags, keep things loose in the cart. And probably another thing that just kind of a lot of people don't know about are milk cartons. Yeah. So anything that's a carton, like it's a soup carton or a juice box or even a milk carton, we don't recycle those in Spokane. Okay. So maybe if you lived in Portland or Seattle, they'd take them,
0: mm-hmm.
2: but just not here. Okay.
0: And this is, and the difference is, like you just said, Portland might or might not. It's the differences in the facilities where it all goes, correct?
2: Right, in a okay. market. Yeah, okay. because Spokane, um, Eastern Washington, we're very far removed from a lot of the mills or um, the smelters that might take this material because it's only recyclable if somebody can take it and make something new out of it. And so we try to collect things that it just economically feasible that can be sent somewhere to be reused and if we are hundreds of miles from a mill that would take that material the carbon footprint and the cost of trying to transport it there to get it made just you know doesn't doesn't make sense yeah it outweighs the value of that material okay um what about glass bottles Uh, another excellent thing. And very confusing in Spokane yes, County. because like,
0: yeah, like my kombucha bottle, I was just told I cannot throw that in the recycle loop bin.
2: Yeah. Depending on where you live. Okay. So if you live in the city of Spokane, and I believe the city of Spokane Valley still has glass bottles and jars on their accepted recycling list. Okay. So in those cities, you can still put it in your cart and feel comfortable that you're not doing anything wrong. However, the haulers outside of the city of Spokane have removed that, sometimes quietly. They've taken it off their accepted list. And if somebody asks them, they say no. And a lot of that goes back to market. There really is no market to take that bottle glass and make new bottle glass from it. Um, but we're in a county where we do have a waste energy facility. And if we encouraged people just to put all of that glass in their garbage, Unfortunately, it goes to that facility and there's a lot of wear and tear on the moving parts mm-hmm. um, as it goes through the boilers. And uh, that can be an expensive uh, repairs to make. Yeah. So we still want glass out of the garbage. Um, we're actively looking for markets that would take that glass and make something out of it, You know, whether it's grinding it down into sand, use it for sandblasting or... Uh, to lay pipe beds in or build roads with or add it to concrete. But until the economics pencil out, we're encouraging people, again, in the city to put it in the recycle bin. Um, It does go to the smart center. It will get sorted out. Um, It goes to be beneficial cover for the Graham Road landfill. So there is an inert landfill in Spokane County. That's where they take it. Um, they have to cover everything that's dropped off there daily, so this glass is just replacing gravel or dirt. Okay, that would be that cover. So it's going for, and I'm going to make air quotes, which you can't see on a podcast, <laughs> uh, as as a beneficial use, but because it's going to a landfill, you know, you can't really say that it's being recycled or, or reused.
0: I want to talk about landfills for just a second because right. I'm kind of confused. <laughs> <laughs> I just think of like this big hole in the ground, like a mouth that like is supposed to somehow swallow garbage. But obviously, I, I mean, what are they? <laughs> Can you just give me the, the basics? The
2: yeah. Overview. Yeah. So um landfills again like i mentioned when i was growing up our our dump was our landfill so uh, our commu- every community had one and in fact spokane and the well landfills don't go away they're still there um so spokane county has five landfills and that's one of the things that solid waste departments have to manage even when they're closed and not um, being used to put garbage in any longer but historically they've always just been a, a Kind of a pit in the ground, whether you dig it out or it's been in part of, next to a hillside, you just put your garbage in there and then you just cover it up with dirt. And uh, historically, those landfills didn't capture all of that toxic stew that would kind of percolate in it. So, you know, you get water from rain and snow at the top, it trickles down through all the garbage, picking up all the great stuff, whether it's motor oil or gas or right. herbicides, pesticides, all that. And then that leachate, um, would go into the ground. And like I said before, that would start getting into, um, either the soil or our aquifer, our drinking water. Right. And so in Spokane, we were having issues with private wells being contaminated and, and all of that. Um, And because they were open on the top, if you were putting organics and you're pressing that organic material down and putting other garbage on top of that, you're creating an anaerobic situation, which then you get the methane gas, which contributes um, to climate change. So Mm -hmm. um, licensing um, of landfills now, they do have to have a liner where you can capture that leachate and okay. then it goes to be treated like a water treatment plant. They do have to be covered at night so that you don't get the litter and stuff and the, and the vectors like the, the, the rats and the seagulls coming in right. to pick it apart. And you also need to have some way of mitigating the methane gas. So whether you're um, having fans that pull those gases out and flared off or a lot of uh, landfills today are building a little power plant where they can burn that methane and use that uh, to make steam to turn a turbine and make electricity. Okay,
0: so there are at least some reasonable ways to manage these (laughs)
2: landfills. Right, so with the liners and the methane collection and and all of that. But again, you're taking up land Um, some places they see this land as a good use for a landfill, but you know, once the garbage is there, it's probably always going to be there, right? And very difficult to reclaim. At least um, in Spokane County, uh, you can't build homes and stuff on it because of the settling and you oh, know, yeah. the issue of gases and everything. Could you imagine
0: if we built a home <laughs> on top of a landfill? <laughs> oh my and,
2: you and you didn't know that? You didn't know? Like, what's that smell? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, other communities they they might build a park or a golf course or have a dog park or something oh. like that on it. Yeah, and if it's just daily use, um, yeah, they can deal with that.
0: Okay, awesome. Well, thank you. Um, so let's switch gears. I want to hear about some current projects and programs that you are focused on right now. And um, if you have any partners you want to give shout-outs to that you're working on with those.
2: Yeah, so a couple of uh uh programs that we're working on. Again, just trying to educate people about contamination and the recycling. Mm-hmm. So we've been uh doing a, what's called cart tagging in the county which means we get a team of people that go around and put messages on the blue carts just to remind people, like, hey, plastic bags don't go in there. Yeah. Keep this stuff loose. And so we've been able to receive some funding from a nonprofit called the Recycling Partnership um, to help us print the tags and get the, the, the crew to go out and do this. And the city of Spokane, they actually lift the lid And kind of just look on top, like, oh, yeah, styrofoam doesn't belong. Okay, we're going to give you an oops tag that lets you know that keep that styrofoam out. Okay. So, you know, that's been a great project. We hope to do it again next summer. I like
0: that. Instead of like an angry note from your neighbor. Yeah, it's like, oops,
2: (laughs) oh, you probably... Didn't know this, but you can uh, yes. make a better choice next time. <laughs> yes, education is key. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, we're we're doing this in partnership with the private haulers, so Waste Management and Sunshine Disposal have been great to work with um, on the, their routes that they service, as well as the city's Solid Waste Department, the Smart Center. They've been doing the audits for us to give us feedback on whether it's working. So, I mean, that's been awesome. And then just the recycling partnership with their funding and support But we're also looking at uh, food waste. You know, food waste Mm -hmm. and organics is a big deal right now. Um, They do waste characterization studies for eastern Washington, and almost a third of everything that we're throwing in the garbage, and this is after people already use their green carts or, you know, um, self-hauled yard waste to um, the transfer station, a third of our garbage is still organic material. So for us having a waste energy plant, you know, uh, food and yard waste, it's wet. It gives us no um, energy potential to burn it. So, and it really should be going to be composted. And then that compost goes back into the soil to make healthier soil. So uh, we're working with, you know, some neighborhood groups, um, the Spokane Food Coalition, uh and also State Department of Ecology, who just completed a Use Food Well um, study, and we're just looking at ways that we can educate people, give them the tools and the resources um, to help us bring that number down. And statewide, we have a goal of reducing organics that are being um, thrown away, or at least food waste, um, 50% by 2035. Wow. So that's awesome. that's kind of a big goal, and we're all going to have to work for that. Oh, that's great. Um,
0: I have another kind of off like off question for you. What about, because now I'm thinking about the plastic bags, what is your recommendation for animal waste that has to be picked up in a plastic bag?
2: Yeah, for now, um, my recommendation is needs to go in the garbage Garbage, and if you have to start buying plastic bags to do that or finding another way of Mm -hmm. containerizing it Um, especially with cat and dog litter there's just um, you know parasites and kind of some bad pathogens and that stuff that you don't want to put it in a compost pile or bury it in your backyard just especially if you've got kids and other animals that might be playing on the lawn or around that area that could get sick by it. So there are um, animal new manures that can go into the compost pile, you know, in your backyard. Um, but it's definitely the omnivores and herbiv- or the herbivores that, you know, like the cow, the rabbit, the chickens, compost that manure, but just definitely not dog or cat.
0: Well, that is a, Great little segue into talking about composting. Um, So why is composting in an urban setting so important?
2: Well, even if we are in an urban setting, we still generate um, organic waste. So -hmm. not everybody has a big yard where they have grass clippings or, um, you know, that can even have a garden. But we all usually have some food that we're wasting. And so it's really... Again, trying to find ways that we as individuals can minimize what we're throwing in the garbage of that material. So if you do have a yard, Mm -hmm. think about building a compost pile in your backyard. Mm -hmm. And it's just amazing how much yard waste and, you know, some of the, at least fruits and vegetable waste that you can compost, you know, on site. And then use that finished compost back into your flower beds or even on the grass, if you still have grass, if you're not Mm -hmm. using other things Mm -hmm. for that, for that land. But, um, I know we have a lot of, uh, people that live in apartments Mm -hmm. and they just don't have access to a garden or a yard. So we're trying to come up with options for, um, you know, worm bins. There are Bakashi buckets that again, what do you do with the compost from the worm bin or from a Bakashi bucket? Um, Is there a community garden that you can still go drop that off at? Mm -hmm. So, those are things that we're looking at right now. Or can we get people to really seriously look at getting a green bin? Mm -hmm. And not just for yard waste, but again, food and food soiled paper. So, if people are using paper towels, if they're using, you know, napkins or paper plates and pizza boxes, those are acceptable in the green carts at the curbside. So um, it might be something that you share with your neighbors because unfortunately there is a fee right now. You have to be a subscriber to that service. So it's like $18 a month to get a green cart and we realize that not everybody can afford that or Mm -hmm. would have enough material to put into it. So we might be doing some pilot programs um, next year where you know we we provide neighborhoods with smaller carts and just see what some of the barriers are to collecting more of that food waste and organics?
0: Um, you mentioned a bokashi buckets. What are what are those?
2: So Bukashi buckets. It's kind of a Japanese name, but it's a way of uh, pre-composting. So it's not really composting, but it's a it is a bucket system that you can put food scraps, even meat, in. You keep a tight lid on it, so it's an anaerobic sitting, and it's almost like um, making sauerkraut or kimchi where you're pickling it okay so you put it into the bucket and you sprinkle a little bit of bran on it that has essential microorganisms you keep it really you know try to keep as much air out as possible and then those things go to work and they just like I say pickle it or pre-compost it so there's no smell once it sets for a couple weeks when the bucket is full you just either bury that in the ground or in a compost pile and it and it disappears. I mean, all the microorganisms just love to eat that stuff and it's gone. So it's great for people, um, in an apartment setting, but you still have to find a place to kind of bury the finished stuff when you're done with it okay. or when the bucket's full.
0: So for anybody who, um, has never composted before, they want to compost, but, um, maybe they're just a little bit of ner- or a little nervous to take that leap and, you know, worried about their neighbors or, you know, the smells or anything like that. What's your advice to, for them to just go ahead and get started?
2: Yeah. Don't, don't be afraid, but, but knowledge goes a long way. So yeah, make sure that you get some good resources, whether you go to YouTube or whether you come again to either the County website or the city's website, we do have uh, printed material that's available. Um, we have even our own master compost recyclers love to talk to people, and they can be a personal coach if someone wants to get into um, any of those topics. Mm-hmm. And also the city of Spokane, we just developed a learning platform where we've put some of these self-paced learning classes online. And so just go to that link You um, for free. You just create a, a profile on this platform. And then you can take classes that are basics of home composting, or I didn't know I could recycle that. So you can learn about recycling. You could take a virtual tour of the waste energy plant. So a lot of things that we talk about um, being waste reduction in our county, you know, self-paced learning class for free on that site.
0: Awesome. Those are some great resources. Um, I'm curious, too, so we hear about composting or compost being used in gardens a lot. Are there any other just really unique um, ways to use or manage the compost that you've heard of?
2: Yeah, I've, uh, in fact, just went out to Bartek, which is our local commercial compost facility that takes all of our organics waste. And, yeah, they make compost that they are are selling to farmers to put back on the land to increase the organic um, percentage. They are also selling it to Department of Transportation because they use it in swales, oh. so along the road, uh, because you know roadways they capture a lot of you know, oil and gas, and even the rubber from the tires. And as the rain comes, it washes all that down, and instead of going you know, directly into the soil and maybe into the water. Compost can capture that, and the microorganisms that might be in that compost help break that down and filter it so it's cleaner before it gets to a river or a stream. So I know the uh, Department of Transportation is using a lot more compost. Um, But you can't, in some ways, you just can't have too much compost. You know, people top dress their lawns, and we're trying to water less, You know, it's one of our big messages is conserve water, remove lawn. But, um, if you do have lawn, if you can just sprinkle compost on the top and work it in the soil, I mean, for every pound of compost that you have in the soil, you, it retains like five pounds worth of water. So you don't have to water as long. Oh, that's Um, great. So they're just, yeah, a lot of tricks like that.
0: Brennan, do you compost?
2: I'm going
1: to, <laughs> um, I, I was going to tell, I was going to say when I started, I went to the, that Finch Arboretum, um, composting thing with my, my mother-in-law years ago. And, uh, yeah, I was just like, I, I, I did compost at my old house. I, I, I should compost at my new house, but I don't, Yeah. but I need to, I don't, I feel, do I, I, I feel, sh-
2: feel, feel shamed. No, <laughs>
0: no hey i currently do not either but i am very inspired and these this is why i'm asking these questions because i really want to do it but i'm for some reason just a little scared (laughs) to do it
2: yeah i mean there's science behind compost but it's also just you know trial and error too and if you have it's you know you just need four ingredients right you just need a source of carbon which you know could be pine needles it could be leaves that fall in the fall You need a source of nitrogen, which is usually your grass clippings or your food waste, and it's just getting the right balance of those with the right moisture contents and making sure that it's kind of fluffy and there's air in it so Mm -hmm. it's an aerobic Mm -hmm. and it's not going to cause odors. So if you can build a pile with carbon nitrogen and that's moist and you might have to turn it every now and then to get some air in there and mix it up a little bit yeah, you can have finished compost in a couple of months.
0: Oh, wow. Well, and I'm sure once you do it and you are, you get it going, it, then it's just kind of, it's like nature. It just happens. Right.
2: (laughs) Yeah. And if, and again, if it's intimidating, you know, go to our resources, um, or start talking to your neighbors. Uh Chances are one of your neighbors would love to get the material that you're Generating in your yard uh-huh. that they can use in their compost piles. Yeah. Or they might have a little extra room in their green cart and then you can you throw your stuff in with theirs. Great.
0: Brennan, we can sign up for the master composter and recycling program together.
1: Perfect. Let's do it.
0: <laughs> All right. So um, I'm curious if there is a subject related to solid waste um, that you believe needs immediate attention. Um, and just additional instruction here in Spokane County right now?
2: Yeah, well, definitely um, just raising people's awareness of what goes into the carts. And it's kind of our campaign, like, "No Before You Throw or Recycle Right, Spokane. Mm-hmm. It's just like if, if everyone could just take a second before they, they go to their cart and, and think about, is this the right container for this thing? You know, whether it's a banana peel that can go in the green cart, aluminum can, which should go in the blue cart, or a potato chip bag, um, that should be garbage. It's like, don't guess. Right. Yeah. Just know. And if it's not on a list that you see printed on the cart or something is don't guess, just it's better to go in garbage than to go in the other two and cause contamination issues. Okay. So that's kind of the, one of the big things, um, but I think as a, as a community, we need to start moving towards um, looking at waste as a resource instead of a waste mm-hmm. because the things that we're throwing away could still be a valuable resource if it were just find the businesses that could use it, yeah. um, whether they recycle it or repurpose it some way. Um, and then if we can get them to come and do that locally so we don't have to transport things well, just bringing, you know, in good economics to our community and managing our waste better. And I know that there are some, you know, state policies that are trying to be enacted that put a lot of the um, responsibility back on producers. Like if you're going to make this package that's not recyclable or compostable, then you need to pay for its disposal because you just keep putting that burden back on ratepayers and municipalities. And we just can't keep handling it. So Mm -hmm. if this extended producer responsibility uh, legislation passes, then they're going to be motivated to maybe change the design of packaging because they're going to be funding how this stuff is collected and they're going to need to make sure there's an end market. So it's going to be responsibly um, handled.
0: So what are your top three tips for households to improve their solid waste management?
2: Listen to the kids because <laughs> the kids usually know yes. what's recyclable or not, right? You always second guess your children and they're the ones that <laughs> did the research. <laughs> no. Yeah, love it. No, but again, it's just, yeah, thinking before you throw and, and, um, and also being very um, thoughtful of the litter, um, your household hazardous wastes because, you know, even a light bulb, especially the old compact fluorescent lights Mm -hmm. that have mercury in them. Mm. You know, if they break, you're releasing mercury into the environment. So, you know, there are take-back programs even for electronics that don't work that are statewide. So it's uh, just becoming informed on some of the programs that provide free disposal of that big TV set Mm -hmm. or that broken laptop or that light bulb or that gallon of paint that you didn't use the whole thing of. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, try to find responsible ways of um, disposing of it. And uh, another resource that we have in our county is a directory that the Spokane River Forum manages, and it's called the Spokane Waste and Recycling Directory. So if you just Google that, Spokane Waste Directory, it will take you to an online site where you can just type in, like, Used paint or motor oil, and it'll give you a list of op, you know choices of what you can where you can take it.
0: Oh, great! Oh, I didn't know about that resource. Oh, perfect. Okay, I'm going to be using that a lot more. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, well, this is awesome. I feel so much more informed. I'm excited to take a look at the um, master Gar- or master recyclers and composters program, um, and then just great resources that the city provides um along with um Enviro Kids Club so thank you this has been great so we always like to wrap up our interviews doing a little bit of a spitfire round so our listeners can get to know you a little bit more so are you up for it
1: <sighs> all right let's let's <laughs> give it a shot
0: all right let's see okay we'll start here Um, finish the sentence on the weekends when I'm not working, you can usually find me where
2: on a lake kayaking.
0: Oh, do you have a favorite lake?
2: No, but I've got a little, um, inflatable kayak that I throw in the back of my car and it's my goal to get it in every single lake in, in, uh, at least within 60 miles. Awesome. um, By the time I die. Yeah. (laughs) There's a, there's a lot of lakes. (laughs) Yeah.
1: question we'd love to ask on here is what is your favorite plant or flower?
2: Oh my gosh. I would have to say something that's really hearty, like, like a lavender. I mean, I love that it just keeps coming back year after year and it's great for pollinators. And I just love the smell of lavender.
0: Nice. I have an embarrassing story about (laughs) lavenders. (laughs) So I got lavenders from our tree sale this year and I don't know if I need to do something to my soil, but I just asked my forester the other day, I was like, I feel like my lilacs just aren't doing very well. And he's like, Hillary, they literally don't need any
2: maintenance.
0: And I was like, I know, I don't know what's going on back there. Maybe I
2: need to add some compost to my topsoil. I know, I'm not a gardener either. I've kind of got the black thumb. That's why I do composting, (laughs) because composting, you work with the dead stuff, not the living stuff. So anything that grows without much help, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yes,
0: I I I'm gonna follow your lead on that one. (laughs) All right, dogs or
2: cats? Dogs, dogs. Do you have any dogs? Not now. Not now. (laughs) But if I ever got an animal, it would be a dog. (laughs) Awesome. Um,
0: let's see. If you could live anywhere in the world, where would you live?
2: Oh man. I'm pretty satisfied where I live right now. I love the four seasons and the recreational opportunities. Mm -hmm. Um, but I do love to travel the world and there are some very cool places, but I haven't found any place that I would like to relocate to.
0: Yeah. Well, I'll be interested to see how the Galapagos.
2: Yeah. Sweet or savory?
1: Sweet. (laughs) What's your favorite, what's your favorite sweet treat?
2: Uh, chocolate, Mm. anything chocolate.
1: Um, what is the last book you read?
2: Oh, right now, I'm going through this Agatha Christie um, mm. extravaganza. So I'm reading um, The Hollow by Agatha Christie.
0: All right. And one we always have to ask our guests Beatles or the Rolling Stones? Beatles. Woo! You know, I always cheer for the Beatles. See, I don't hesitate on those things. Yes. <laughs> <I
2: know. laughs>
0: Awesome. Well, Chris, thank you so much for taking the time to sit down and talk with us, talk trash with us today. Right. <laughs> this are a little fun. Um, but tell our listeners one more time where they can find all of these great resources.
2: Um, yeah, great resource. So again, uh, myspokane.org um, and just follow the links to kind of the solid waste department. Or you can also go for countywide information, talktrashspokane.com.
0: Woo, I love it. (laughs) Awesome. All right, well, thank you again, and we'll chat with you guys next time. Rocks to Roots is sponsored by the Office of Farmland Preservation. Office of Farmland Preservation is a program within the Washington State Conservation Commission that works to address the rapid loss of working farm and forest lands in our state. Together, the Washington State Conservation Commission and conservation districts provide voluntary, incentive-based programs that empower private landowners to implement conservation on their property. You can learn more about their programs and services by visiting their website, scc.wa.gov.